There has to be a spider moment in every recording from every, now yeah, on. From now on, yep. Mm-hmm. It'll be the Easter egg. It'll be the spider egg. Oh, gross. Oh, <laughs> I don't like the visual that I just had. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those where, like, you, you, you regret it, like, the second it's out of your mouth. You're like, <laughs> I fucked up. <laughs> Hey, Bubblies, and welcome to My Streaming Bubble. It's that little old podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Jen, and today my DC nerd gallery is back. Laura and Eric are here, but guess what? So is Marty! Some of you may know that Marty and I are working our way through the MCU phase by phase. Our episodes covering phase one and two are out, and they're awesome. But today he's jumping from the MCU to the DCEU, not sure about that choice, but okie dokie, to join us in taking on another DC character. The brilliant, the sociopathic, Ivy's peanut, our girl Harles, Harles, that's so hard to say, Harley Quinn. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so welcome you guys. Hola. Thank you. Hi. So enthusiastic, so much enthusiasm. I think they're still looking up uh, drop, drop bear. bears. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> you had to have been there, folks. Yes. <laughs> if it doesn't make it into any of the final cut, I'm gonna save. I've been. I want to save all my outtakes and start including them in like mini bubbles and stuff, so people can get. Oh, that's a good idea. Blooper nice. bubbles. Blooper bubbles. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, blooper bubbles. I gotta write that down. <laughs> She's physically taking notes, world. I am. That never happens. I, I started doing that too, and I'm like, who am I? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I started to misspell bubbles. I started writing buttles. What the fuck is wrong with me? Blooper, do you say buttholes? That's what I heard too. Blooper buttholes. Blooper buttholes. If you say it really fast. Blooper buttholes usually only happen in college. <laughs> After that, it gets very intentional. <laughs> oh. You're starting oh. to learn more about yourself during those okay, years. Exactly. Yeah. You definitely belong in horny jail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had a group chat for the Harley Quinn recording, which ended up turning into just horny jail because Laura and I just went off about how horny we were for villains and uh, uh, Matt Smith and, and House of the Dragons and acknowledging that that's problematic, but we don't care. <laughs> no. I'm horny for Ron Funches as King Shark. He is the oh best my God. <laughs> All right. Like, yeah, because he's, 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 voice. he's a big, soft, cuddly nerd that's also super strong and somewhat murderous. It's great. <laughs> Just don't bleed around him. It's easy. Yeah. Or don't be his sibling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate you bringing me onto the team for my tech skills. Yeah. <laughs> Still one of my favorite scenes yes. ever. All right. So as, as I said, we are here to talk about the character Harley Quinn. So we'll just go ahead and get right into it. And we'll start with our newest DC Nerd Gallery member, Marty. Marty, your general, general thoughts on the character Harley Quinn. Oh, Lord. Uh, general thoughts. That's that's tough to keep it that broad base. I think that Harley Quinn is a really interesting character because she so often gets kind of played as that that anti-hero uh, or ha- very much so has the ability to be played as the anti-hero. Uh, very much 
a la Venom uh, with her, her schooling, her background, her physical prowess as a gymnast, and then being tortured and maligned with Mr. J. Mr. It's J. just, mm-hmm. it's just, uh, it's heartbreaking and kind of tantalizing mentally at the same time, because you really don't know what direction they can take the character. And I think that's the sign of a very well-rounded character is that they have the ability and especially with Harley, the justification to go in just about any direction you could imagine. Well put. All right, Laura, your general thoughts on Harley Quinn. This is so difficult for me because like, I grew up watching Batman the Animated Series and when she was introduced, I couldn't stand her. <laughs> I, I hated her so much because of that voice. Like I am very particular about the voices I listen to. And I just think this is awful. The voice, the accent, I can't stand it. Who talks like that? Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I never really had much of a connection with her as a character. Um, but revisiting that, you know, through the various movies recently and especially the animated series, you know, I got to appreciate her more for, you said, her medical background. She's actually really intelligent and everything mm-hmm. like that, too. And there's a lot more to her than being a hench or goon. I'm not sure which label she would have chosen. <laughs> 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 but also she's funny and not not in a forced kind of way and i really found myself in, enjoying her character more um i think things got really nuanced in the suicide squad movie and everything as far as like some of her emotional struggles for herself and mental health and how she deals with that considering she's a mental health professional in a former life and then in harley quinn the animated series it's um it's just awesome. She's free to be like full on Harley, everything about her, good, bad, or otherwise. So I am now a fan. Right on. Indeed. And Eric. General thoughts. <laughs> when have I ever just had a general thought about oh, something? I don't know. That's why you were last. <laughs> uh, I'll try to keep it Nicely short. done. <laughs> Every time you say that, it takes like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> She's not exaggerating too much. <laughs> um, I know. Uh, well, generally, I mean, I, I Harley Quinn is within the, the, my top three favorite su- superhero, antihero, supervillain, whatever category you want to put her in. Uh, fictional characters um, ever portrayed in in book on screen. I respect the character. I have a very deep respect for the character of Harley Quinn and the history that her character has from um, uh, between. Uh, what we see in movies, television shows, and in the pages of comic books. I have been a fan of Harley Quinn for many, many years. Um, unlike Laura, I don't think I've ever had a hate phase for Harley Quinn, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I got introduced to her just like pretty much everybody else through the Batman the Animated Series. Um, but I realized that I didn't first get introduced to her when she had her debut episode it was like much later on and then i went back and watched the older episodes and got a much finer appreciation for her her character and what she came from and you know just over the years 
learning, reading different stories about her, different arcs in her character and the way that she could be portrayed and just how amazing some people who have been who have been in charge of creating and just putting this character together just the amazing job that they have done with her i mean there has been some there there have been some pretty shitty uh interpretations of harley quinn over the years but overall it's hard for me to just narrow down this is like my favorite version of harley because or as a character herself and what i think she represents I think she is just one of the most phenomenal and well-written characters in probably comic book history. And even as far as fictional literature, you know, just like how much more dynamic of a character can you really get? So she has so much depth. That's exactly it. She really does. And this new Harley Quinn show just shows just how much, how much further and how much more this character has to her. And uh, yeah, that's, that's my general thought of Harley Quinn. Good job, Eric. That was I kept it under 20 minutes. <laughs> that was a nice tight 10, as they say in uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Got it I down like to it. a nice Gold tight 10. Star. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I can really add too much to any of that. I agree with pretty much every single one of my tolerables right now weird uh (laughs) for me i didn't get into i never really got into the batman uh, animated series until like later in life and even then like i still i'm not familiar with the entire series Uh, but for me harley quinn was first introduced through suicide squad the bad one (laughs) the one i haven't (laughs) seen 800 times (laughs) and so i really liked mark but i really did like margot robbie's uh portrayal of her of the on-screen version and then even from there even though there's really no continuity connectivity with all the movies other than margot robbie playing harley quinn i've really appreciated her arc through her movie portrayals and really how they've continued that in the animated series so i've really come to love and appreciate harley quinn uh thanks to eric i've got a whole wall (laughs) and quarter of a desk of harley quinn stuff and just dc stuff in general and i love it and i'm I just, I really, I really, really like this character. She's, she's not just, she's not just a pretty psychopath or a pretty sociopath. There's so much more to her. Sociopath. Sociopath. I love when she corrects them. Uh, I think that was in the Batman and Harley Quinn, the animated movie. That yes, movie's yes. Fucking, I love that movie. That I was... don't give a shit. It's so weird. <laughs> really fucking weird. And a shitty ending, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Well, so Jen, you mentioned you mentioned like your first introduction to Harley Quinn. And I guess I would kind of be interested for for Eric and Laura. What was what was your first like not necessarily like introduction, but like where's when was the first time you heard of Harley Quinn? Because for me, it was Kevin Smith naming his daughter Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn Smith. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Boy, when did Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. All right. How old were you, Laura, when you uh when you first uh first watched her though? I don't know. What year did the introductory episode come out? It was September eleventh, nineteen ninety three or ninety two. I believe it was ninety two. calendar man. But, but who's <laughs> counting? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I appreciate the calendar man reference too. Keep yeah. it in the DCEU. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I was six or seven years old. Right on. 
Uh, so I'm totally it, within my rights being that old, having such an emotional reaction to your voice oh, yeah, sucks. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it's, it's like every six-year-old listening to the nanny for the first time, like, turn it off! Oh <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brand who? Never again. And then you watch it as an adult, and you're like, oh my god, that's adorable. Mr. Sheffield! Oh, I loved the nanny. I loved her <laughs> outfits. Like, oh, anyways. Yeah. I sounded like her whenever I was sick, so I used to take it personally. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> with the accent and everything all of a sudden you're sick and you have like a new york accent <laughs> <laughs> yes. no but i could do that next time i'm sure it'll happen <laughs> something to look forward to right <laughs> yeah, I, so yeah so you were you were in kind of like the six seven age range how old were you eric I was about for me it was a little later too um not as late as jen mine was probably about I want to say 19, something like that. I watched Batman the Animated Series as a kid, but I wasn't so invested into it where I was like, oh my God, I love, you know, I love this Harley yeah, Quinn character. I was more like Batman, you know, yeah. shit like that. But for me, it's really when I really started getting into her was when Preludes and Knock Knock Jokes came out. Um, that was in 2008. That's when I first really started getting into Harley Quinn. Uh, and for anyone who doesn't know, Preludes and Knock Knock Jokes is actually Harley Quinn's first official graphic novel, um, which contained the first seven chapters of her first solo series in the DC comic universe. Um, Very cool. So that's when I first really get it, started getting into her. And I picked up the book at like a half price books or something like that. And it was like 90 cents. So I was like, fuck it. Why not? And Bargain. I was like, dude, mm -hmm. yeah, seriously. Because <laughs> yeah. now it sells for like $18, $19. So yeah. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, so I read it. And I was like, dude, this is, this is pretty damn good. So that's when I learned that there is a whole 31, 32 book series that was already put out that this graphic novel is based on just the different chapters of that series. So I ended up buying all of them. That was the only one I ever got from that cheap, but still, and then I just freaking fell in love with the character. And that's when I really started learning more about the character. I remember vaguely at that time seeing her on Batman, the animated series, but I didn't know at that time that that's where she got her. Well, I was about to say get her start, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, where she made her debut. And then after that, you know, it was just all over for me. I became a Harley fanatic. I started, you know, collecting comic books, toys, um, shit, posters. Um, and then it started getting to the point where it's like I was collecting really rare Harley Quinn items, like even her first comic book appearance at Batman Adventures number 12, you know, and it's just like I said, my favorite fictional character of all time. So... I became a little obsessed there for a little bit, but I really drew it back a lot over time. <laughs> yeah, now he's like dumping it all on me, and I'm, I'm oh, accepting Jen it. <laughs> Don't you have a tattoo or something? Or were you planning on one? Uh, no, I have one. My It's going to be hard to see, but yeah, I got my Harley Quinn uh, tattoo right here, um, which is a uh, actually a homage tattoo to a uh, comic book cover uh done by i can't remember the name of the artist but he did her up it, it was like a, as a pinup style uh 1930s uh pinup and uh yeah um it's not an exact replica of what he drew but it was kind of my own version of it very cool so nice. yeah awesome i suppose i should let you have your show back jen 
That's all right. You got it. <laughs> it's fine. I I did a lot today already. I'm kind of tired. No. <laughs> all right. So we'll go ahead and move on to the uh, on-screen portrayal. So, you know, we've got the animated versions and the live actions. And, you know, we've got the Batman the Animated Series voiced by Arlene Sorkin, really kind of putting those touches on, like, her stamp on the character and the voice the voice mm-hmm. of the character and everything and how you can kind of hear that in more modern versions of the character. So when uh, Eric and Laura and I did our uh, Joker episode, we kind of talked about how Mark Hamill really set the standard and how you'll hear other voice actors doing Joker with a touch of Hamill in there one way it's, or another. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Mark yeah, Hamill's sure. version of the Joker. It's yeah. yeah. For sure. So I feel like we do get a lot of that with all the versions of Harley Quinn, with possibly the exception of in the animated series, because she's got a bit of the accent in the first season, but by the second and third season, and she even mentions, references how thick the accent was in the voice and how heavy handed it was. So she's kind of, so the character's kind of moved away from that, at least in the animated series. So what do you guys think? I mean, I know, Laura, you didn't care for the voice at first, but now it's really become, I hate using this word, iconic to the character. <laughs> and that we've, like I said, see that Kelly, uh, how do you pronounce her last name? Kuko? Kuko. I think Kaylee, it's Kaylee Kuoko. Oh, sure. Um, Is that really how it's pronounced? Yeah. Yep. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> okay. Kaylee Kuoko. Kuoko. Um, and yeah, how she her her take on the character has kind of shifted a bit from at least the voice style. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Well, I for one am happy that it's softened a little bit. Like it's still <laughs> that New York accent and everything, but it is not so jarring to listen to. And it's great because it's allowed me the opportunity to actually enjoy the character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For for me, I think when you get into the like the well, I guess any portrayal, not just animated, because so much of the character, like you could hear a line from any movie, but if it was like done by someone who's done Harley Quinn in the past and they're doing their Harley Quinn version of it, there's no question, without a doubt, mm-hmm. who that person is trying to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's neat to have for a character. Uh, but in, and I know apparently you don't like the word Jen, but to have, to have like an iconic tone and presentation of it and to also have it done by an, a, an absolute fucking Titan in the voiceover industry, Tara strong Mm. Mm -hmm. that like, it's, it's one of those things, like you say for Joker and Mark Hamill, it's like, you can only, like every animated version of the Joker, if it's not Mark Hamill, you're disappointed. And at least for me and the, except for maybe Troy Baker for the video games, but for, for Tara Strong's portrayal, I mean, it does have that like super thick New York and the shrillness to it. And, and I can definitely understand yeah. where, where two plus two, can can kind of max out the scale a little bit um i i also did appreciate kaylee cuoco's softening of it because she still had i felt the personality Mm -hmm. behind it in terms of like that presentation and the extremity of the of the delivery of the lines it it still felt very very natural to the character um i'm i'm 
super voiceover nerd guy. So I'm, I'm going to just kind of wrap it up by saying, I wish it would always be Tara strong just because she is such a Titan and she has done the most work with it. So Eric, boy, I don't know how to top that because he, he's absolutely right. In my opinion too, uh, Tara strong, I believe again, using the word iconic, <laughs> uh, I would like to see Tara strong physically play in real life, Harley Quinn, because she's cosplayed as her plenty some, of times. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. some people say, it's like, Oh, you have a voice for radio or you have, you have a face for radio. It's like, uh, this woman is an absolute smoke show. Mm-hmm. Right. Holy right. shit. Tara Strong's attractive. She really Back is. Back to horny jail for you. <laughs> yes, indeed. Back to horny jail for me. But you know I'll, what's I'll funny? I'll my seven gallon Guinness. <laughs> and the funny thing though is with Tara Strong is Tara Strong was, had huge shoes to fill when she took on the role after yeah. Arlene Sorkin left. Um, and... I don't think there was really anyone saying she couldn't do it or she wasn't going to live up to what uh, Arlene Sorkin brought to the character. But in my opinion, Tara Strong elevated the voice of that character. And in, and what I actually love so much is with this last season of Harley Quinn, um, episode eight or nine, I think, uh, Batman Begins Forever is the title. Uh, they actually address how thick that New York accent was, that Brooklyn mm-hmm. accent, you know? And I just love how it was kind of like an out with the old, in with the new mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know? Um, Kaylee's come on, on doing her thing. But I, I do love that. I feel like it was kind of paying homage, even though it was like, oh, I can't believe we're, we're hearing this. In a way, they were still also paying a little bit of homage and respect to the Harley Quinn voice of the past. And, you know, Tara yeah. Strong and Arlene, those are well now with kaylee in the mix in my opinion these are the um this is basically what we can what we should be expecting harley to sound like going forward and she has her as a character and her voice it has elevated so much through the different actors that have portrayed her Mm -hmm. um and when kaylee is no longer doing her animated voice whenever that happens i can't wait to see who's going to take it on next Mm because we've barely had a fail in that department Mm -hmm. Well, it, like you said, with the, you know, like the big shoes to fill. Yeah. It, it's almost, I mean, to, to borrow from the the Batman actors, you know, we, we went from Adam West, which was just like, like, okay. Like, bam, pow, gotcha. Adam West. Yes. What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm <the> dancing. Batman. <laughs> and so like we get, we get like Michael Keaton where it's like, damn, okay. Like this, this is a good fucking Batman. And except for the rubber suit yeah but... <laughs> and, and the inability to turn the neck i have to turn that's my like, whole body yeah, just yeah. a second what is that someone is on my left let's me move my feet to the left left robin but, but like with like you know getting like big stars to come in and fill the role val kilmer not really a big star anymore but like in in the 90s like you couldn't do better than val kilmer practically and then to have Clooney oh, follow like up. Chandler from Friends. <laughs> <laughs> I have a 13-year-old who's chugging her way through that. So maybe it's surreptitiously ah, working into my yep. brain. Too many voices, too little time. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, it's very much along those same lines where it's like this character is so, 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 so important. And 
so much of the character that you identify with is what they sound like. Like you play, you, you play Adam West playing any character and you're like, Oh, that's fucking Batman. Like, mm-hmm. actually it was a Western. I'm like, I don't care. It's Batman in a Western. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, Batman goes West. Yeah. But uh, like, that's to me, that's kind of what it feels like with, with Harley Quinn is that so much of the identity of that character is, I mean, obviously there's, there's is a huge visual component to the character as well, but the, like the identity can be independently tied to the audio. Like you could listen to Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. an audio drama and you can weigh like so, so much of that audio drama, if Harley Quinn was in it would be tied to that, that acoustic performance, that aural performance of the character. So yeah, that's, that's a, a spot on catcher yeah i love tara strong she does so many voices and agree she is absolutely gorgeous um i want to throw in from batman and harley quinn the anime that weird ass animated movie she fucks nightwing (laughs) Um, yeah melissa roch is that how you roch roch i don't know roch 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 also from big bang uh the big bang theory i i thought she did a great job i thought she I, I, it didn't really feel like she was trying to do anything different or put her own spin on it per se, but definitely trying to stay true to that sound. Yeah. And I thought in in that in in that aspects, I thought she did a really good job, and I wouldn't be against her doing other voiceovers work as Harley Quinn and other like maybe cartoon series or you know because there's like DC superhero girls and Tara Strong's in that. And, and you know what's really funny about that, Jen, is if show. you didn't is, if you didn't I love know it. So much. it if you were watching that movie for the first time and did not know any better, you would think it was Tara Strong maybe have it with a cold, yep. you know, because yeah. she, she, I could tell when watching that again just the other week that I think she really was trying to let her inner Tara come out when yes. she was uh, uh, not really so much an inner Harley, but an inner Tara. And I really thought that she was trying to uh, uh, not mimic, just put her own spin on it, you know? And it's like when I do an impression of Trump, I really just do an impression of Alec Baldwin doing an impression (laughs) of Donald Trump. (laughs) Okay, here's the thing we all love Dara Strong. It's (laughs) funny. But like, it's not an impression of Trump, it's an impression of Alec Baldwin doing an impression of Trump. I like it. The layers, I (laughs) love it. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, what do you guys think about the live action portrayals? featuring Margot Robbie and Suicide Squad, Birds of Prey, and The Suicide Squad, and even, like, the the arc that her character takes kind of throughout those three movies and kind of in between. What do you oh, guys... Oh, I love Margot Robbie's portrayal. Okay, Laura, you yes. go ahead. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> no, I, don't, I won't now. <laughs> like, I've been waiting for this part. Yeah, no, I, I really do. Even in the ill-fated Suicide Squad movie, like the ill-fated yeah, you know, maiden voyage. Yeah. That one was that one was a little a little more perturbing because it had the whole like focus on the just toxicity of her and Joker's relationship, and you know that over sexualization and. What was interesting going from that movie to The Suicide Squad and Birds of Prey was she still retained that look, but it no longer became like the focal point of her character. And Birds of Prey kind of did a really good job showing her grow from that into what we know and love now. Right. 
Absolutely. And, uh, you know, there haven't been too many live action Harley Quinns. The only other one that I can really think of is Mia, what is it? Mia Sara, Mia Sarah from the 2002 series of Birds of Prey. And I couldn't tell you shit about her. You know, I, I, I've, I just, I just knew that through my research, mm-hmm. um, and watching a couple <laughs> clips, but, uh, Margot Robbie embodies, she embodies, I think what Harley Quinn is, would be like in real life, you know? From the personality to her looks, to the way she dresses, the way she interacts with people, the way she handles lo- things like love and, you know, in psychology and just the whole entire portrayal of that character live on screen is amazing. It, it really is. Um she definitely took the role to a level that I don't think anyone was expecting. Now, yeah, the first Suicide Squad movie, let's just face it, that movie was mainly about Harley Quinn as, you know, just, it was all sex. That's all it was, you know? But I feel like she really took that, took what she learned from uh, how she portrayed the character in the first Suicide Squad movie, and she put her, she did her own thing with it going forward. Birds of Prey, I feel like, I, I mean, actually, I do believe she had a lot of say in how her character was yep. to be portrayed in Birds of Prey. Yep. I think she had a lot of say in it. She and... knew she had DC and Warner Brothers by the balls. Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> she, like, that movie don't happen without her. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, you know, they ditched the booty shorts, you know, and they put her in just like the funny, funky outfit and the one with all the frills. Yeah. yeah, you know. And then when The Suicide Squad came out, Margot Robbie had just as much say, and James Gunn wanted her to, you know, to basically do what she wanted to do with the character. I don't know how much James Gunn, how much leeway James Gunn gives to a lot of the actors that he works with, but I know that Margot Robbie got a lot of say in what happens with her character. So um, I don't really have a whole lot more to add to it other than that I think she is the perfect actress to play Harley Quinn. And if they're going to, re- well, they're going to be replacing her soon. Well, I don't know about replacing. Replacing's a bad word. They're putting a new spin on her with Lady Gaga. So I'll be mm. interested to see how that goes. Oh, let's not knock it till we see it. Let's not knock no, it till we I'm see gonna it. Knock I know it. how you two feel about that. <laughs> yeah. I know how you two feel about Joker, but I am interested to see now what will a new live action uh, Harley Quinn look like? Because a lot of people probably felt that way when we went from Arlene Sorkin to Tara Strong when it came to voice acting. So I want to see, will it have the same impact on live action? I got to disagree there because okay. I think yeah. Arlene Sorkin to Tara Strong is basically Oscar winner to Oscar winner. Yeah. But at the time, was that really no? Tara Strong was not what wasn't a very well known voice actress. She's actor been doing back stuff in the, back since in the like early nineties. Yeah, but that early in her career, I don't know how well known she was. Nineteen eighty six, she... actually. I just looked it up. Okay, well, I guess she's been around for a minute. <laughs> Boom! I was two when she's been doing her thing. So, all right. Oh, I was I just a boy. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> so I guess yeah, I get, but. So Arlene Sorkin to Tara Strong, maybe not Oscar winner to Oscar winner, but season veteran, season veteran to season veteran. Okay. Whereas, you know, uh, Margot Robbie to Lady Gaga or Lady Gaga. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for doing that. (laughs) Oh, fuck. I love you, Alan Tudyk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's that's who should be in the uh, the gay romance picture behind me. Yes. (laughs) Alan Tudyk and Alan Tudyk just playing. You can always Photoshop. 
I no, I'm not that good. Uh, so that's to me though that was it's it's a lesser known quantity but to your point eric it doesn't mean it's going to be bad everybody's got to start somewhere uh i think lady gaga has had a, a couple good strong performances in house of gucci and whatever the singing movie with bradley cooper was yeah, yeah. um but <laughs> the one that was made like a hundred times <laughs> yeah well, exactly Starsboard. but it exactly. stars board yeah. thank you so i still like, have never okay, seen any version of it yeah like <laughs> let's take a singer and put him in a role as a singer Ooh, big stretch yeah you know, I, it's not yeah, fair like i'm not surprised that that person does well in that role um but house of gucci she did quite well mm-hmm. and yeah, no fucking singing in there she did she did make out with some hayek which was you know, back to horny jail for me. Uh, <laughs> you pointed at the gay love picture again, too. <laughs> that's 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 the door to horny jail. Is it is the gay love picture. <laughs> yeah, the Destiel picture behind me. Uh, this really needs to be a live stream for your fans. <laughs> <laughs> but I think for for me, Margot Robbie, like you said, Eric, did a fan freaking tastic job. And I know it's not necessarily well. It, I don't know. Correct me on the dates if I'm wrong, but. The all of the live action Harley Quinn stuff happened before the most recent Kaylee Cuoco animated series stuff, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah, okay, but it feels like the same character, mm-hmm. which is fantastic because then you know, then you are carrying that person that you you know and love and and you know, trust in terms of behavior in in both directions whether it's to the animated series or you know like you feel like you can give get that same kind of like warm and cuddly feeling watching that character whether it's animated or uh in the live action and to laura's earlier point the character has so much so much depth with like her uh her uh educational knowledge and i feel almost like the live action movies we got to kind of see that that growth and that depth get explored by Margot Robbie because yes, the first one was like, hey, in case you forgot, Margot Robbie's attractive. <laughs> Duh. Mm-hmm. And you know, the it needed like, that voiceover. That would have made that movie. Coming <laughs> 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 yes. I mean, next Thursday, Margot Robbie still attractive. <laughs> so you get into uh you get into the suicide squad and and you get to see like those moments of like vulnerability where you know mm-hmm. like, rick flag's like ready to like bust in and rescue her and then she's just like standing there in the street behind her. he's like you was gonna oh, save me? Oh, you <laughs> for me like i could go back in there yeah <laughs> you know, it's just like she gets to be vulnerable and then especially with whoever the fucking lover was before Starro starts wreaking havoc, like that kind of like mini relationship that we explore there, you, you get to see a a pretty kind of full circle relationship and exploration of her character and her reasoning behind her actions. Mm -hmm. And birds of prey was just so much goddamn fun. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Absolutely. For me, I think a lot of it is probably the writing and the directing behind it. Again, first birds of prey uh, or not birds of prey uh, first uh, suicide squad was just, you know, like, Hey, here's an attractive lady. Oh, there's another one. Let's pit them against each other. Also, this guy <laughs> fire. And uh, <laughs> it was, oh God, it was, that movie was held together with duct tape and dreams. There was, 
There was no substantive quality to that movie, in my opinion. But you get into the later ones, and at you know, at least you see like the growth of the characters, and you like you give it to, and I don't know what the first director like what his experience is, but like you give it to James Gunn, and it's like okay, like this guy's got like fucking hit after hit under his belt with Guardians, and mm-hmm. you know DC's gonna let him run with an R rating, so he gets to go deeper and darker. That was wonderful. And uh, was it Kathy Yan as a director of Birds of Prey? Like you got to see the female influence on that movie. Mm -hmm. And as a father of daughters, the scene with like they're in that final fight scene and she's like where the, the bitch go off and do a costume change yeah. you know? and then like you know they're back-to-back fighting they're like do you need a hair tie i'm yes. like oh my god uh, that is such amazing like writing and it doesn't happen without the appropriate representation on the mm-hmm. film mm-hmm. and and i think so like margot robbie did great with all the iterations but i don't think but. she's allowed to she's allowed to explore that depth without those changes in the director and writer. Mm. And, and I, I think it was very much uh, like, uh, you know, a plus B equals a fantastic C. Whereas the first one was just like, um, did, did we get like, do we hit our 37 uh, ass shots yeah. in this hour? Okay, yeah, cool. Right, We're good. Right. We're good. Roll forward. So yeah, I, I love Margot Robbie is that, that iteration and i'll be sad to see her go i didn't i did not know that uh lady gaga was supposed to be uh was supposed to be harley in the new one (laughs) (laughs) and you know you actually said something a little bit ago that i just want to quickly comment on that i love about her character and this and i feel like they really uh margot robbie just expresses so well in the suicide squad where it's that scene where you know uh uh the suicide squad are going to rescue her you know and you know, you got Bloodsport, who's now going up the building, you know, only a few steps, but still he's starting his his ascent and Rick Flag's at the bottom. And here she is saying, hi, guys. And once they explain what's going on, what I loved is that about that whole entire sequence and just even everything that came before that is Harley Quinn doesn't need rescuing, mm-hmm. you know, but right. yes. at the same, but at the same time, she is so appreciative of the fact that she has friends who care enough that they want to rescue her that if she was in real danger that she knows she could rely on to on them and i love that about her character and that i feel like we're getting a lot more of that now Mm -hmm. that independence with harley quinn that was just so shut out even in the early 2000s or in, and in the 90s and even in knock in, pre, in preludes and knock knock jokes you know it was her independent series and it's a great series if no one's ever read her the original run i recommend it but even there there's still a slight lack of independence and more of a that just just more dependency that she needs from the joker and other other characters in the comics but they have come so far away from that now and i love that and i feel like that scene where she's just as, took out like 50 fucking dudes with guns, you know? It's just, it was, it's such a great moment for that character to see how much she's evolved mm-hmm. from 1992 point. to 2021 right. when that movie came out. Too, that that scene kind of hits on a lot of, of the layers of her character. Like, one, she still looks great, even though she's a prisoner or whatever. Two, mm-hmm. she doesn't actually need rescuing. And it's really creative use of her skills and as how she deals with that. Yep. But three, um, there's so much more to her that 
she inspires friendships despite being a villain, yeah. a sociopath, whatever. So, you know, I really enjoyed that aspect to her character in the movie because, you know, she's having healthier relationships. Yes. No more codependency. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Another moment in the movie that I think also shows kind of the growth and all of that with Harley is when she does shoot Diego Luna, uh, yes. the <laughs> the one baddie with, mm -hmm. the, at least we get like the gratuitous, like slender, muscular guy in the uh, briefs coming slow-mo out of the water. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> fully you, appreciated for that. that. <laughs> yep. Back to horny jail for me. <laughs> <laughs> Quit staring at those cum gutters. <laughs> <laughs> holy shit Did but, but when she when she shoots him and you see those moments of vulnerability and the and growth where she's like you know i've been in bad relationships i'm gonna look out for red flags and when i see them i'm gonna do the right thing and murder. which is murdering mm -hmm. them <laughs> so you still get that kind of you know the the sociopathic the nutso end of harley quinn but still like with respect to herself and the things that she lists off, you know, when they tell you that your music isn't music and they treat you like shit and all of this, like, God, that feels so real and authentic. And it's like, I think, you know, a lot of people probably early in dating, you know, maybe high school and or, you know, post high school relationships, maybe ended up with someone who was a bit gaslighty or a bit toxic in their own right and telling you like, God, your taste in movies suck. Your mm -hmm. fucking music isn't music. So I found that moment to be very very relatable and i thought yeah. i thought for me personally like yes the whole rescue scene or non-rescue scene self-rescue shows all of that but for me it was that moment um that and when she's first picked up and they're putting her in the pretty dress and she's like i look like a princess and you see for the first time like she's seeing herself in a different light in mm -hmm. this more princessy glamorous quote glamorous kind of way and I love it. And I love Margot Robbie's portrayal of Harley Quinn. And I think it's really interesting to watch these three movies and hone in on Harley Quinn specifically to really get that growth of the character that we've been seeing on screen. And that I personally, personally love so much. It's like, yes, in Suicide Squad, she's just there for the sexiness and to send everyone into horny jail. But we also get that uh, how she's been, how manipulated she's been by the Joker and how dependent she is on him and how she thinks she's heartbroken when she thinks he's dead and all of that to being completely dependent and finding herself in birds of prey and kind of first learning that uh, we can, she can kind of depend on other people outside of, you know, suicide, you know, and building other, these new strong relationships with strong female characters and Rosie motherfucking Perez. I love her so much. Just a mm, quick right? shout out. And then even seeing that carry over into the Suicide Squad and her relationship with Flag, you know, at the end, she's like, Flag was my friend. She considered Flag her friend. Yeah. And I think she's always considered Flag her friend from the first Suicide Squad all the way through. And mm -hmm. so I really feel like Harley Quinn, the animated series is more of a take on uh, and I know it's not, but more of a take on the live action version with kind of that. Uh, you know, a different little twist and take on it, but we're seeing that growth. We're seeing more depth to this character. And what I love about the animated series is that we're seeing more of her psychology education and background. And I love that because in Suicide Squad, you forget that she's a fucking genius. And mm -hmm. 
it's kind of sprinkled out throughout uh, Birds of Prey. I can't remember a whole heck of a lot of it in the Suicide Squad, but that's okay because we see her growth in other ways. But in the animated series, I really like that they still bring that up. And I love the way that they show it where she's kind of having, quote, like a a crazy moment. And she sees Harleen talking mm-hmm. her Harleen through. Harleen Quinzel talking mm-hmm. back, yeah. <laughs> right, the reflections yeah. and stuff, yeah. Which is mm-hmm. perfect for stuff. the character. Yeah, so. It, honestly, that animated series is, if you can't afford therapy, maybe just watch that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it points out some good shit. Careful. <laughs> I will blow up this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Did you finally listen to it? (laughs) All right. So we will go ahead. And now we are just going to gush about the animated series because I know we all love it so fucking much. Mm -hmm. I've rewatched it several times. I finished the new season. Season three just uh, finished it again the other night. Mm-hmm. And I love all these characters. I love these versions of the characters. I've said it before, and I will continue to say it. This version of Jim Gordon is my favorite version of Jim Gordon. <laughs> I yeah, love good Chris- cop, Jim Gordon. I- and you know what? When I was watching it the other night. I love when night, he sings that to himself. Yes. But when he's, so in season three, and he's having that showdown with uh, Two-Face and Joker and Joker's stepson, and... Uh, Gordon has some line about especially heinous crimes and it made me laugh so fucking hard because it's voiced by Stabler and I was like he 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 they did an easter egg they, they said a thing they said a thing and I got it after like the third rewatch <laughs> good job yeah. third time's the charm right I'm a darn good podcaster Jen Owens <laughs> all right so you guys, what do you think of the show? I mean, we've talked about it here and there, but overall, I think we're all on the same board, same page. We oh, the show like is brilliant. The show it's is brilliant. Good. It's brilliant. I mean, it's good. <laughs> I, I mean, really, what more could you ask for in a Harley Quinn show? I mean, you have first off, you have genius voice actors. Okay? Yes, you so have many. You have just an amazing array of characters that they brought in and, you know, just her click, you know, is just it without her click. Would the show be what it is? I don't think so. No. Well, okay. Hold on a sec for that though. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's an important observation, but they could have done any array of characters that hit the the bill and it still would work. It's about the chemistry, not, you know, but You're, it is still Harley's show. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I'm not taking that away from her at all. But these these characters that we have, you know, Clayface, you know, Dr. Doctor Psycho, who's kind of sort of in season season three, but, you know, just for two episodes. <laughs> He's uh, doing a podcast. Shark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's doing a podcast. <laughs> Funny thing that I just learned yesterday when watching this with Anastasia, actually, and I, after watching this show so many times, I don't know how I never realized this, but I didn't realize that Tony Hale is actually the voice actor mm-hmm. for Dr. Cycle. Yes. Fucking Buster, man. <laughs> I, love I, I love it. I had no idea until yesterday. I was like, oh, that he is great. He got those awards from Army. <laughs> what was that line in Arrested Development? Anyways, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but I'm um, sorry. Oh, it's just, yeah, it, I love it. I love the show. I hope it goes on for 10 fucking seasons, you know, because yes. I feel like there's so much material there that they can't go wrong with it. Mm-hmm. So. I feel like that's the worst part. Eventually, we know it's going to end, and I don't want it to. Right. Not only did that show do a lot in terms of further 
redeeming Harley Quinn's potential as a character for me because like my appreciation for the Batman movie with Robert Pattinson you know my biggest thing about that movie was Batman is finally being a detective on the mm-hmm. big screen. No oh shit. my god, I <laughs> needed that. And it's it's kind a bad damn time. <laughs> right. And I kind of felt that way about Harley Quinn's character because you know it, it's revealed it through other means that she had this amazing background and she's actually really intelligent. And you know, when she is being a good psychologist like professionally you know she actually is good at that too so it's really cool to see all of that incorporated into her character like she is more than just a goon can we stop treating her like that right Right. but Mm -hmm. also this show um redeemed not just harley quinn for me but poison ivy yes yes i could not stand poison ivy as a kid live action animated series or otherwise because Talk Just about Uma a one Thurman slinking around. Ugh. Anyway, talk about a one-dimensional <laughs> character, right? Mm. But Poison Ivy is to me even more relatable in the Harley Quinn animated series than Harley Quinn is. And I was not expecting that. And I love it. And I love the way that those two interact with each other, you know, both before and after they got together in a romantic capacity and um you're right and they're you know it's part of the the crew so just the different relationships they have there just work on so many levels and then Catwoman's random appearances it's like (laughs) you've got three really powerful awesome women just doing their thing in the Gotham universe and I love it I loved Catwoman in season three at the Villies, and she's like, I'm not even a villain, which we had that conversation in our group chat the other day a little bit. And yeah. uh, and how she's just like, I'm only here because I'm black because you guys haven't, uh, you know, a black villain hasn't won and Black Manta's been sitting there for how many years? Yeah. I loved it so fucking <laughs> much. Black Manta's just didn't, like, thank didn't you. King Shark, <laughs> didn't King Shark or someone ask Black Manta's black or something? Like yeah, that? somebody yeah. did say that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like duh, it's in his name. <laughs> yeah, I I love I love this series. I love all the characters. I agree completely 100% with the kind of redemption of Poison Ivy for me. I love this version of Poison Ivy. And yeah, even like okay. So, has there been any other versions of Clayface? Cuz like does he actually talk like how Alan Tudyk voices him? No, no not in the animated series. Not in the animated series and not in the Arkham games. <laughs> okay. uh, I swear that Alan Tudyk is just doing that for fun. Oh, yes. oh yeah. I, I, would, I would put money I on it. it. I would put money on it. He just tried that one day and, and he's like, decided I didn't believe it fucking got through. <laughs> yeah. Like he didn't get he didn't get notes on it. He's like, hell yeah, I'm running with it. Yeah. <laughs> and we just appreciate how Alan Tudyk, as that character, pronounces Billy Bob Thornton's name <laughs> in season. <laughs> Where he's like Billy Bob Thornton, (laughs) like every time he says it, it's got that emphasis on Thornton. I love it. Yeah, that's kind of his uh, his um, hook with Clayface is the yeah the emphasis comes on like the the last syllable whether it's Lady Gaga or Billy Bob Thornton, Uh, yeah. James Gunn. I love it. I love it so much. I was thinking about that because yeah, I don't know if Clayface has showed up anywhere else on screen, but I'm like, he 
he can't actually sound like this. This has to be Alan. All but you Alan. know, the funny thing is, is with Clay, with Clayface's history, Clayface actually was an actor when he yes. was an, when he was a man. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, at the least origin that, is true, and yeah. it just I I don't know if this is your experience, Eric, but like for me. Clayface in the animated series was like one scary motherfucker. He like, was intimidating looking. He was, he was like one of the be all end alls. Like, how, how's Batman? Like, you know, Batman goes up against this guy or that guy. It's like, yeah, that person's an idiot. Batman's just gonna just wait until the other guy makes a mistake. But when it came down to Clayface, it was always like, dude can just like fucking turn himself into anything. And then if he's like trapped, if he's not frozen, then he can just, you know, goo himself, mm-hmm. you know, that's out exactly of trouble. It. True story. Clayface to... could bury you alive in his own flesh. And that's like yeah. the most then horrific toast. thing in the Batman universe. <laughs> <It's gross. laughs> that's not how I want to die in horny jail. No. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be bear dropped by Clayface. Yeah. <laughs> And you know what's re- what's really funny about that is uh, with uh, Clayface and Harley Quinn being teamed up. What I find uh, kind of funny about the whole thing is in the Batman the Animated Series and Batman Adventures comic books, uh, both Clayface and Harley Quinn came closer to killing Batman than almost any other villain. Actually, to what Laura just said about you know Clayface just sucking them in, them. he yeah. actually almost killed <laughs> Batman by drowning him in his body, and. Uh, it oh uh, yeah that was that so that was never in the animated series that's in the original comic series sounds like but, a really <laughs> shitty john mayer song uh, try me in your body no, it's a, a backstreet boys song i actually have a song called drowning I and drown in, in my love. head now yes that was. <laughs> hooray we're too old for that one jen Yay. Yeah, 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 yeah. i don't understand the reference and i'm okay Woo. with that you don't need to hey i listen to the backstreet boys on occasion and usually it's while i'm at like boxing or something because i don't know i find the contrast don't worry fun. i would be hitting things really hard too if i was listening to backstreet boys huh i don't think that was their intention with their music eric probably not a listen's a listen all right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's good. I, I thought the uh, um, yeah, for for me with with Clayface, the and and this kind of goes throughout the show of Harley Quinn, like the little tips of the cap to the other kind of Batman intellectual property mm-hmm. is is something that I just enjoy so much because in the animated series, like Clay, Clayface is like this giant fucking monster who just like wreck shit and kill things. And in Harley Quinn, he's like, I'm a thespian. And <laughs> it's like, what's, what's your superpower? Like impressions, <laughs> like, just photorealistic impressions. That's my superpower. But when I, I forget like how he gets like brainwashed or whatever was it with psycho i don't know but when he becomes like that big monster and harley's like you could have done this all along oh that yeah, was in season hilarious. one yeah. was that in season one i think the so. end of one of yeah. the seasons but yeah when she's just like what the fuck you could have been doing this the whole time and instead you're impersonating billy bob thornton mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like those just those little tips point, of the hat are wonderful yeah like he could have done this in any iteration he's been in but i i feel like it's especially plausible in the animated series why didn't he ever think to um actually be bruce wayne's parents and just mess with him more oh, <laughs> like, oh <laughs> man, mind fuck yeah <laughs> that would have been so awesome 
You just had to hide those. Never thought about teeth. that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does sometimes, and other times he doesn't yeah. hide the teeth. And I don't know. I've been trying, like in rewatching, to figure out what's going on with this character at this point in time where he's not hiding the teeth. Like, is he super excited about something, or, mm-hmm. or like, I, what's that's going a good, on? I, I think that is kind of tied to it. It's either when he's like first into mm-hmm. the character, and he doesn't have. I think it's kind of like a sign of mastery when when he does have the character mastered because what was it in season three when they're getting ready when, when he has to go as Billy Bob to whatever yeah. that award show is, then he's like, you know, like straight up Billy Bob. But early on when he had like that video call with James Gunn after he accidentally killed Billy Bob <laughs> and it's just, he's just the bust of Billy Bob. Then he had the janky teeth. Yeah. And yeah. So I, I think you're, I think you're spot on Laura that it's, yeah, yeah it's a, basically a sign of his mastery of character. So he, yeah, I guess he's just a method actor. <laughs> I like that it's like the teeth that are the last thing to like yeah. master. <laughs> but it, you're you're right though with the crew or anyone in the show really, it kind of it leans it more into their origin stories and who they are outside of being villains. And I think that's worked really well with Harley's story arc because you know she's progressed more and more towards the hero end of the spectrum albeit reluctantly right. and that was really interesting to see in season three especially um my favorite was when she was actually in bruce's head mm-hmm. and got to see mm. just how crazy he is yeah. and went <laughs> all professional really psychi- yeah. psychologist and was like nope doctor patient confi- confidentiality i'm yeah, like that was oh awesome. that is awesome i love this yeah <laughs> Yeah, I liked the little little nods to the past versions of Batman's and storylines through like the little memory windows mm-hmm. and stuff. And so we yeah. saw like we saw the Harley Quinn Batman version running around with a bomb <laughs> from the Adam West. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah Batman sixty six. One of my favorite like moments ever because it is so utterly ridiculous. How can you not fucking love it a ton? So, yeah, I agree. This show does a really good job with all the other kind of Batman DC nods, calling, you know, even calling the characters out, like with the accent that we saw during the when she was in Bruce's mind and she encounters her past self or a memory of her past self. Um, Mm. And it's the super heavy Brooklyn accent. She's like, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I loved her even more in that moment. Yeah. (laughs) And she's so like, I'm like thank you. To, yeah, she's trying to talk to the past Harley or whatever and been like, no, you need to wake up from this and realize what true love is and that you're in this like codependent relation. I love she's like trying to like kind of quickly psychoanalyze herself in that in a memory of Bruce's. So Inception much? Yeah. Exactly, I yeah. just watched that movie for the first time the other day. That's a really good movie. I saw that. Oh, it's good. It's so good. Let's see. Oh, I really liked the story for season three, Harley Quinn, and I like that we had a bit more focus on Poison Ivy. I thought it was kind of interesting that I felt like the storyline for season three very much mirrors the Batman and Harley Quinn animated movie where uh, Poison Ivy is kind of yeah. the villain in that. And she and there is like Into a swamp thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and all she, that's what she's trying to do. She's just trying to terraform the world. And so in watching Batman and Harley Quinn, I'm trying to figure out. I was like, okay, so where is Harley Quinn and Ivy in the relationship? Are they on a break right now? Is this yeah. like creeping <laughs> together? Because you can tell there's a closeness, there's a respect, and obviously like a want and need to help 
pull poison ivy back from the ledge a bit and being like, I think it was it was right before or right after right after the bachelorette party. I think that's where they like in the in the Harley Quinn (laughs) animated series world. I think the Harley Quinn 2017 movie that Ivy Harley relationship was like just after Ivy's bachelorette party. Cause it's like mm-hmm. you two have clearly hooked up. She's like, I'm going with the nuclear option. Mm-hmm. And then she just starts crying. <laughs> I'm like, yep. Oh, that is fucking dirty pool. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm willing to kind of let the world burn. But like, if, if I can't keep myself alive, if I'm a plant, what if I forget to water me? I knew they were going there. Like as soon as she started breaking down, I'm like, they can't be, they can't. Yep. Okay. Fine. They did it. They did it. <laughs> I, I love of that movie. They I did. don't care. <laughs> yeah. But I thought that was really, I, I really kind of, since I had just like kind of picked up on that more recently, I thought it was really kind of interesting and fun, but I really enjoyed this season with the focus on poison Ivy and kind of coming into her terms, uh, into her own kind of villainy way or whatever, and getting that confidence. Mm -hmm. And also at the same time with her and Harley Quinn in a relationship and how supportive they are of each other. I fucking love the relationship goals. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, you know, we've seen Harley Quinn with Mr. J, without Mr. J, and now with Poison Ivy. I love this growth. And I know we've kind of talked about, you know, we have talked about it. <laughs> Poison Ivy growth. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> Unintentional puns. <laughs> I'm that Dad good. jokes. <laughs> no, mom jokes. They're like dad jokes, just without any pockets. So. <laughs> Thanks. It's true. That's, yeah. I'll never stop saying that one. So I I obviously love Harley Quinn with Poison Ivy and how she continues to grow as a person and now to continue to grow and be thriving in a very healthy relationship. And again, just the support. Um, With regards to Mr. J, I want to talk about real quick. Mr. J, the stepdad, Mr. J yeah. running for mayor and little Benicio, <laughs> <laughs> and him going up against, um, I can't think of the character's name. It was obviously like, clearly like a Karen or something voiced Stephanie? by Amy. Sedaris. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was it Stephanie? I think the, the whole the, you're the talking PTO about lady. With, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And the whole parking space issues yes. and all that. Yeah. So, hey. I That's an issue episode. near and dear to my heart, parking spaces. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yes, you get your spot. <laughs> so I know this is the Harley Quinn episode and not the Joker episode, but this episode hadn't aired when we did our Joker episode. But I want to talk about this episode real quick because I kind of love it. <laughs> oh, uh, the 90s sitcom, like theme music at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Him being a dad, him still wearing like his Joker colors, but like with a cardigan and a yeah. button up. And... I love him in a cardigan. It's very like Mr. Rogers, but yes. evil. And I love... yeah. It's just great. <laughs> and then, and then saving, you know, having to save his stepson and everything. And I love from like on the roller coaster um, that's all broken and everything. And Jim Gordon mm-hmm. tries to save him, and he jumps and lands on the roller coaster cart. Yeah. And... <laughs> Benicio was like, "Oh, it's Superman or whatever," and and then Joker's like, "No, that's just Gordon. Keep screaming, son." <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part about that scene is like when Jim's like, 
but Harvey, what are you doing? And he's like, it's Two Face. It's it's <laughs> my face. Surprise! He's a he's damn just like, good Fuck cop, you! Boom! Go! Yeah. He's like, I don't care. Just not, now, all these people need to die based off of your ignorance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Eric, what did you think of '90s sitcom Stepdad Joker? Oh, dude, I thought it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, so it did. You you basically hit the nail right in the head. It reminded me of like the opening of that of that particular episode. Just reminded me of like all the TGIF shows from back mm-hmm. when we were younger. Yep. You know, um, so I really really love that. Uh, but my favorite part of that episode actually came right towards the very end. Is when and I cannot remember Joker's uh, uh, Bay's name uh, for the life of me. But when she bethany is it bethany okay when she comes crashing in in the minivan (laughs) and just slams up against two-face oh my god and she comes out well she comes out with the lug wrench just about to about to bash his head in i just loved it because you saw more joker in her in that Mm -hmm. episode than you saw actually in the joker in that episode he stops Um, her from beating two-face with mm -hmm. with the tire yeah and i love i loved that so, um, but no, it was a G it was, a, it was a great episode. It, it, it really was a nice way to kind of relax from all the Harley Ivy adventures that were going on, which, you know, they could have not included that episode and the season still would have been fantastic, mm-hmm. you know, but just to get that one little break. And then when they come back from new Orleans and they're like, we were gone for like four fucking days and, and now Joker's Joker's mayor or is mayor of Gotham. Um, it, it, it was cute. It was genius. And I thought it was just, it was a nice way to just kind of break the tension a little bit for fans, you know, from the whole high Harley and Ivy adventures. They did that pretty deftly a couple times because they did that with uh, the kind of mini King Shark saga too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Manway. Oh, the whole episode (laughs) between King Shark and his brother. Yeah. And he's just like hiding in the, in the cabin. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a little fucking crab pops up and it's kind of like a letter in a bottle yeah. <laughs> and kite man's just like oh got mail for king shark all right <laughs> he's like so what, what what are we doing out here boys it's <laughs> like i can't even remember what they were doing were they playing cards they're just sitting on this tiny ass boat they're like supposed to be deep sea fishing and mm-hmm. like the one guy who should be the most about it is just like hiding away (laughs) to me i like i love ron funches so much as a comedian Mm -hmm. that like i've i've talked to people about this show who haven't seen the show and they're like you can't make king shark this like soft pussy boy i'm like oh no no he's not he's hardcore (laughs) because when he goes there he goes there to depths and at a at a speed that you could not imagine Mm -hmm. but the the overwhelming like just king shark is kind of everybody's dream best friend (laughs) that guy would be awesome to hang with 99 times out of 100 and then that one time out of 100 where he's not awesome to hang with you just really really hope that like he's on your side Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) right yeah to me that was just another like another beautiful kind of one-off aside which it i don't know to me the bachelorette party episode was almost it almost kind of felt that way because 
it was it was more of like the transition it was like shifting gears from like mm -hmm. harley story and ivy story into it's like all right like this shit's for real now mm -hmm. like we're putting them together mm -hmm. and and that that uh that whole episode was a to me kind of felt like a bit of a transition it's still fantastic but like as you kind of rewatch it for the second or third time you're like okay this is like this is where we're going from you know like fourth gear to overdrive and we're actually going to explore that relationship and so it, it felt uh kind of like you were saying eric almost like a like a, a reprieve from like the okay here's one person's one person's progression now we're gonna do the other person's progression it's like mm -hmm. all right Mm -hmm. time to meld them time to move them forward mm -hmm. right right let me ask it's uh uh it, as far as the season two goes and the season finale and season two how did you f feel about really i mean we're all happy that harley and ivy um are together and that they found mm -hmm. each other and they realize they love one another and in, at the end of that episode it all came together and that was a beautiful moment but how did you feel about how it basically was portrayed from Kite Man's point of view? I mean, this was on the day of his wedding, supposed to be the most important day of his life. He was so excited about this. He was going to whip up a million new chili recipes to make sure she was happy for life. <laughs> and, you know, like I said, as happy as we are for Harley and Ivy, we got this amazing new character who we've all grown to love yep. and just think is like the, like I said, I think I sent the message in the group the other day, like, let's take a moment to appreciate Kite Man, you know? Yeah. Did Kite Man really deserve to what, ha what happened to him, especially the way it happened to him? No. It's, I mean, does I anyone so ever sad. deserve it? Does anyone ever deserve but, a broken heart? Yeah. No, but maybe deserve was the wrong word to choose. Especially, I think you think, so. Yes. Yeah. Especially on the back end, though, when we see Kite Man actually end up mm -hmm. with, like, a solid partner that does have just as much focus on him mm -hmm. as he does her. Mm -hmm. Like I've never heard. Of and that was before. a great moment actually in season three yeah, when like I and his yeah, new when, when Poison Ivy and his new girlfriend are just kind of gushing about how good of a guy he is, you know. Yeah. And and what do they use to relate to that? It's the chili, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah. So um, fun, fun little aside. Uh, my, <laughs> I think Jen knows this story. Uh, so everybody makes mistakes, right? Right. Okay. Cool um no never yeah. <laughs> so i took two girls to prom in high school because i thought that was a good idea <laughs> i think i do know the story <laughs> yes you do know the story so i was i was dating a, a woman named laurel and she's like uh well she's a year older than me so it was my senior prom i'm like well i still want to go to prom and she's like well my senior graduation present from my aunt was going to this conference out in Colorado and so I'm going to go that and it's during your prom so I'm cool with you going to prom with another girl I'm like okay cool it's this girl named Meg and she's like okay cool and then Laurel realized that there's a hell of a lot of chemistry between us and she's like hey guess what I'm going to be back today before prom because I caught an earlier flight because don't touch her and <laughs> <laughs> so I thought the obvious solution was well just take them both that'll totally work out fine forever right it's never gone um, wrong in any sitcom ever yeah, exactly <laughs> right. exactly but to you know to fast forward past all of the tears where Marty's the asshole um when I married Meg who was the other person that I took to prom uh Laurel was actually a bridesmaid <laughs> in our wedding so it like I I felt a lot of connection to that moment I'm like oh look it's my wife and my ex-girlfriend we're getting together <laughs> and I'm the topic <laughs> because you know I'm a man and it's always about me well, you know what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> in, oh, and, uh, it's cute I, you think that. 
in a bit of a, a little bit of a way I can relate to that is my, my, my wife was in a previous marriage and her ex-husband and her ended up being really good friends. Mm -hmm. And he actually stood up on my side in the wedding and his new wife stood up on her side in oh. the wedding. So exactly yeah. it is yeah. possible folks. Well, and the thing yeah, that I when loved... you're adults, you can move forward. And like, <laughs> and the thing that I loved about that moment with Poison Ivy and Kite Man's new girlfriend is not only do we get a bit of closure on Kite Man and Ivy and all of that and seeing how he's doing so, so well, but that we have this moment with two females and it's like, could it have been played out where they were mean and petty and catty and bitchy towards mm -hmm. each other? Yes. Did it? No, thankfully not. And I loved seeing that they were yeah. supportive of each other. Ivy realizes that she needs to be more supportive towards uh, Harley uh, mm -hmm. for the villies and everything and how she picked up on that through Kite Man's new girlfriend, through their relationship and what and how things and how like Ivy's and Kite Man's relationship was and compared to what Kite Man's relationship is now and all of that. And it, I love that it was just so kind of quick and easy to accept and yeah. move on and to do better. And it's like, yes, I know it's a sitcom, so everything's going to wrap up within the, the show run time. But they really could have gone another way with that, and they didn't. And I'm thankful for that, and I loved it. And how cool they is it that... that... Oh, go they ahead, did Laura. that twice in the show as well. Like, that was the first time. But then towards the end of the season, we had Ivy and Joker kind of having an X to X talk about Harley. Mm -hmm. yep. And that was amazingly yeah. done as well. Like mm -hmm. not a, not in a million years would I have dreamed those two would have a conversation like that. <laughs> and I love that in this uh in for this progression in Kite Man's character that we get just in this one single episode where he moved on from Ivy. I love that he has found someone who has a power that's sort of similar to what he has. <laughs> yeah, the golden glider. I love uh, that. <laughs> the only the only way I think that would have been better, and again, this is the father of daughters speaking, is if it would have passed the Bechdel test, which is when two women are like in a scene and the conversation is not about a man. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you make that scene as impactful because I feel really the point of that episode was kind of dealing with the past mm -hmm. and, and moving on and, yeah. and growth on both, uh, I guess, all four sides in terms of like, you know, the original couple and then their new partners. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I, I agree. It was lovely. It was wonderful. It gives you all the good feels, but if if there was a way and like i'm not a hollywood writer i don't know how to do it but it would have been awesome to see that pass the bechdel test of having it be like a true kind of like you know girl power bonding moment mm -hmm. sure i appreciate that perspective but i also think given the context of everything in that episode and everything right. that came before it i don't think yep. it's possible but uh, yep, that's yep. not to say that they can't have future conversations sure uh, exactly. you know now that they've established something where it's not about kite man and with kite man getting his own series i mean who knows right by the way <laughs> right i can't wait because kite man's my birthday twin and i love him oh <laughs> I guess I love my brother, too, who is also my birthday twin. Oh, yeah, because, you know, it's your twin. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Can I say one other thing about this season that I absolutely, no, absolutely loved? Not. No. I, um, okay. Because <laughs> I'll go on like thirty minutes about it. That's why. But I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you the visual countdown. <laughs> go go! Hurry hurry! No. Final so Jeopardy what, music. <laughs> so the what I found that I just loved about this season was the just the running gag all season long yes. with the pasta maker and yeah. babe. Oh my God. I loved it. I babe. just, it all together was just fan fucking tastic. Yeah. Yeah. Bane is one of my favorite characters ever. No, that's no, not wrong not. at all. That is, yeah. But, but I need to, I need to explain this better. So <laughs> as much as I hate Batman and Robin and Poison Ivy in that movie and all that stuff and the nipple suit and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Eric. That, that was almost thing. about to come right all over my microphone. <laughs> I don't want to see you come all over anything. Ah! Oh, this guy. <laughs> okay, but Ew. even Bane in that movie was like my Teenagers. favorite thing about it. And there was nothing, there was nothing nuanced about his character. He was just some juiced up guy. <laughs> Wearing a hat. Where, where, yeah, where, 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 he was destroying a everything. Hat? Yeah. yeah. He wore a destroying hat. Batman. Like, <laughs> seriously, Bane has always been uh, a character that i'm weirdly partial to and i love that they've taken like the brawler history that he has with the venom hoses and everything and the whole stuff with the christopher nolan batman series and kind of merged it all into what we have now <laughs> and he's like super pissed off about a pasta maker <laughs> and i loved that the pit when harley and ivy were in the pit mm -hmm. it's like just legitimate in like uh residential therapy yeah you know it's like oh yeah. today we're going to be making art of like special sharp feelings <laughs> <laughs> you you've done so people. great we've brought in george lopez for a tight 10. <laughs> You guys oh, all do such so a great funny. bane. <laughs> that's because it's the most fun voice to do. You should hear my it really brother is. do it sometimes, though, because because it's perfect. <laughs> Tell me, why would you shoot a man? Oh, we just that need that a beer sign. Oh, yeah, man. do more. Oh. I can't remember any other lines from Dark Knight. Just, just do the I rest will, of the I show will blow like up. that. Okay, I yeah. will blow up. Insert whatever you want here. <laughs> I'm doing my best not to make that dirty. <laughs> oh, my God. So awesome. I love, I love it so much. All right. So oh. I think we're going to go ahead and start on our wrapping it up. So we will go ahead and hit up our stray bubble. So this is the last chance to bring up any notes, fun facts, etc. quotes and any of that. Um, Laura, oh, is there I only anything? have one. Okay. Yeah. So Just, all right, go then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so T Franklin is one of the Harley Quinn artists. Um, and I don't know if you all read the, the issues published in between season two and season three that were actually like the exploits of the eat bang kill tour but i highly recommend it if you do oh, but one awesome. of the other things yeah they're they were free by the way i downloaded them all um but one of the other things that t franklin has done recently that i pre-ordered and i'm super excited about because i think i just got it delivered uh is she helped create the sun spider um so a version of Spider-Man in the multiverse that is disabled 
and I am so here for it. I'm Whoa. so excited. I've never seen this before, and I just, ah, oh, I love it. Don't I'm, Google I'm so sun excited. spiders without be putting the word the in front of it. Oh it's creepy. <laughs> Don't hold those oh. up. <laughs> yeah, uh-uh, no. Uh-huh, no Drop bear, yes, sun spider, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> we need to learn those things. <laughs> Sometimes the hard way, <laughs> But seriously, I'm super excited about this. So I wanted to share it with oh, you. Oh, cool. I just looked. All right. Now I just found the Sun Spider character. Dude, this is cool. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'll have to look that up. I have Marvel Unlimited. And so I've, I've been working my way through a bunch of shit on there. So uh, I guess I'll, I'll throw myself in next. And, and I'm making a recommendation on behalf of my sister in law, uh, who is not a comic person at all. Uh, she begrudgingly uh, waded through all of the MCU with her son because he wanted to see it. And, uh, Uncle Marty wasn't there to take him to every fucking movie ever. Uh, so she has kind of developed an appreciation for these different characters and kind of the comic world and the graphic novel world in general. And she had heard so much about Harley Quinn uh, that she like she just she needed to learn more. She's like, why is this character so beloved? It, it seems like she's, at least from the movies, just purely a sex symbol. What's going on? And so she recommended to me, and I have not read it yet, but she recommended to me the graphic novel Harleen by, mm-hmm. and I'm about to butcher it, uh, Stepan Sejic. Mm-hmm. And I'll remember that. <laughs> yep, got it. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> so basically, it's it's about Harley Quinn. It is 216 oh. pages long, but wow. it is the soup to nuts graphic novel on Harley Quinn, and she's like. And she reads like a fuck ton of books. She's like, that is one of the best books I have ever read. Mm. Wow, that's a ringing endorsement. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Harleen by Stepan Sejic, S-E-J-I-C, with lots, lots of symbols. Yeah, that looks very cool. I know at the library we have like a Harley Quinn or... I guess it'd be maybe Harleen, but like a teenage version of Harley Quinn graphic novel, which I haven't read yet, but I'm very, very interested to see what this take on of teen age Harley, Harleen, I guess, would be and how that kind of fits in with the character that the version, at least that we know and love now. I, I Anybody love that... think in Sopranos? <laughs> I haven't seen Sopranos. Oh. Me either. Yay, we're all. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have watched that show probably about six times all the way through. <laughs> it's great. The, I the recommend it. Only other thing I will say about Harleen, and this is, uh, again, from my sister-in-law, because I ain't read it, um, is not even in the week that we delayed this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, I'm using my I got a pacemaker excuse. Uh, she said it's like super duper like not safe for children very rapey well that was put that was put out by dc's black label uh which is just uh almost horror-esque for their for their series yeah okay yeah so it's great it's great there's a whole joker series about it there's a whole there's a whole you know batman series that's put up by by uh dc's black label it's fantastic i recommend almost anything that they put out it's almost all gold cool nice so so yeah harleen Harleen. Woo. All right. Eric, do you have any stray bubbles? I have some fun facts. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I I wrote just 
I wrote down a bunch, so I'm not <laughs> going to share them all because we actually we actually ended up talking about a lot of the stuff that I wrote down. But a couple of things I did want to mention, um, Jen and Laura, I brought this up, one up to you two before um, in a previous uh, recording that didn't go so well, unfortunately, in the end. But that's OK. We're making up for it. And uh, I want to talk about a fact about Harley Quinn that uh, Marty, you might not know. Probably not. Uh, and this is a. Uh, about how Harley Quinn and DC Comics stirred up real life controversy. So in the early 2010s, when uh, DC Comics was about to release their new 52 line of comic books in the new 52 universe, uh, DC Comics held a competition or a contest for fans to draw a, uh, uh, basically draw a, a, an animation of Harley Quinn in a bathtub uh surrounded by electronic devices and in attempt which was going to be an attempted suicide and this was just to be a dream sequence in this particular comic and the winner was going to have their uh portrayal of this put into the first or second book well when dc went public with this on this contest they had extremely poor timing with it because the following week was National Suicide Awareness Week. Oh, good Lord. So it was in <laughs> September, basically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and DC, in a very rare moment for their for their organization, made a public apology for this. Um, scrapped the contest altogether. Scrapped the entire idea of it because of the backlash that they got from it. So I just thought that was actually kind of... Uh, it is interesting. It is interesting that, that they would they would choose to do something like that with Harley Quinn. And just one other thing I want to mention as far as fun Harley Quinn facts. And again, Laura and Jen know about this. And Marty, I don't know if you do, but there was a series that was put out in 1999 called Elseworlds, which was basically saw all of our DC characters in just ways you had never seen them before, just completely left field. And this one was really cute because in this series, uh, Harley and Ivy were in a folk band together. <laughs> <laughs> and Lex Luthor was the record label producer. <laughs> uh, username checks out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had forgotten that part. I did yeah. too. <laughs> so, and it's not violent at all. You I'm know, assuming it's, it's Garfunkel and Oates type of stuff. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck me in um, the back door for yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought that was a fun one. And that's just a cute little Harley Quinn fact to throw out there that her and her in another universe, her and Ivy had a folk band. And it's Aww. really, really cool. Awesome. I could yeah. see that. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> well, the one thing that one other thing that I have written down in front of me, because I don't have my actual notes notes, because why the fuck would I be prepared? Um, just, there's a lot of great, I mean, the writing in the animated series, uh, Harley Quinn is f fantastic and it's funny and it's bitey and there's like the sweet tender moments and everything too. But from season three, the line that still just gets me rolling is when, uh, Ivy is trying to access the green and she contacts, hits up, you know, swamp thing and everything. And he's like, oh no, it's always, you know, you've always been able to do it, you know, mental block. And she's like, ah. I always hate it when the power's within me the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that show is so self-aware. I love it. I know. It's such a great <laughs> show. And I, I cannot wait for season three or season four 
and I love I love all these characters. I love the voice actors. I love everything about it. It's like one of my new more recent like favorite shows mm-hmm. and oh it's such i wish the kids need to be a little older so i can just like throw it on as the background because i think there'd be aspects that like ross would definitely really really like but then there's kind of the more violent moments that mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know i would say that your kids are, are kind of almost at like the perfect age because like all the inappropriate shit just goes over their head that is true like i was i was watching it i'm like oh my god taylor like my my oldest daughter she came out to us when she was 10 she's gay and i'm like you have to watch the show this is such beautiful amazing representation and then they got to that one like owl society gangbang episode oh, yeah. like, oh. <laughs> i forgot Oh my god, we never even talked about the uh, Like, I need you to skip an episode, honey. Like, that, one's, that one's on the no list. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. I totally forgot about the whole Court of Owls just being a fucking orgy group. And I think that's the most useful the Court of Owls have ever been. Yeah, you know, I gotta admit, um, watching that episode and uh, my 17-year-old son taking the opportunity to join watching in when when <laughs> we were about to hit that one i'm just like oh I don't oh, this know who is, this is more awkward for. This <laughs> is really awkward. I thought maybe at this age it wouldn't be so bad, but I'm like he's really afraid to look at me and i can feel that. Uh, <laughs> invisible wall. Uh. Like, whoa, is it warm in here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, so it doesn't get easier when they get older, Jen. I, I don't oh, know. Yeah. I don't know if there's a right time. Yeah, I, I am lucky when that they 30. are. Yeah. When they're 30. When I'm dead. No. <laughs> Watch this at my headstone. Yeah. You just, now you, that you're 30, I know you're, son, I know you're of phone, age. Your phone doesn't have a kickstand. Just lean it up against my headstone. I'll oh, watch my God. <laughs> I'll oh leave, like, God. a little space in my headstone for, like, a device, like, for, yeah. like, a phone so we can sit yeah. and watch movies together. <laughs> I just thought of something. Okay, so Marty, you have that no list of episodes for your kids. Mm-hmm. Like, what if you keep that list and you pull it out on their 30th birthday? Okay, it's fine to go <laughs> to the no list. Sit <laughs> <down>. <laughs> <laughs> watch showgirls together. Do you remember when you were context. just a kid? <laughs> just and for you that wanted horrible to watch shark it? attack sex scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth Berkeley. <laughs> Blackie wavy yeah. arm guy. <laughs> oh shit. Wow. Oh my god. Somebody needs to do deep fake and replace that with one of those. Just like <laughs> <laughs> that would be Pretty awesome. Accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how I was every single time that I've had sex. <laughs> Poor Meg. Poor Meg. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's amazing she, we have two kids. Maybe she appreciates the enthusiasm. <laughs> Gotta try everything twice. <laughs> yeah. It's just like a new recipe. Three bites and then you can decide. <laughs> Gross. It's All in right. your brain. I can't get the I can't get the inflatable tube guy yep. out of my head right now. Jeez. Now, yeah, but now he's gonna now every time I see one beard. when I'm driving past a car sale and I see that, all I'm gonna think about this. They think about is Marty having okay? sex. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna think no about now. On. Surprise! What have, what have you done, Marty? The, whole time. <laughs> the funny thing is, it's gonna be the MCU same body. It's just wins. gonna be in Marty's face on it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I would be happy to just be like a generic red tube. At least I don't have a gut then. 
very slim. Yes. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, on that random ass note, let's go ahead and hit up our six degrees of Nicolas Cage. I call first. Oh. Wow. Okay. So real quick, for those that don't know, if this is your first ever episode of listening to this podcast, I'm so very sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you. Because they haven't started sooner or because. (laughs) So, but this is where we take uh, the title that we're talking about and connect it to Nicolas Cage in six steps or less. Since we talked about a whole handful of uh, titles today, uh, the tolerables were allowed to pick anything that they watched and six degrees it. So. Marty, you got dibs on going first. Mainly because I don't know of any other one. Okay. <laughs> the, oh. the one that I picked. And, All right. and, the, and the nice part is that it's actually one degree. <gasps> I so, wonder if it's the same one. I bet mine. I know what it oh, is. Oh, I it, wonder it probably, if it's the same one. Yeah, okay. I'm like, hooray! It yeah. worked. I went first. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going with the Harley Quinn animated series that we've been talking so much about. We are going to take the lovely Miss Lake Bell, who plays Poison Ivy, and we are going to go to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse with Vanessa Fisk, where mm. she was joined by Nicolas Cage as Spider-Noir. That's oh, a good one. That is, that is, this that's is a really good one. the first time it's ever happened that one of the tolerables actually took one of mine, like, well, I guess the one step, but like all well, the way through. Give me a shot. I might take another one or two. All right. Ooh, okay, yes. Laura, go for it. So- also, like, one degree or maybe zero because there's, like, no moving. But Nicolas Cage and Tara Strong have featured together in two that I know oh. of. Oh. <laughs> uh, Teen Titans Go the Movie mm-hmm. and The Croods, A New Age, which I watched recently oh. with the kids. She was in The Croods, really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Who she uh, yeah. Did I steal one? I don't. Who did who did Tara Strong play in the Croods? Well, you said that is that the was that the Croods sequel? Mm-hmm. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Okay, I've only seen the first one. Yeah, well, because yeah. I know Nick Cage is the dad. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> he's such a good dad. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's he's got big dad energy. Yeah. So, <laughs> Jen, did I steal one? Um, kind of. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. I'll take so, it. So, Eric, <laughs> what have you got? So mine was not intentional to be a six degrees. When I was looking up Harley Quinn facts, I just so happened to come across something that brought Harley Quinn and Nicolas Cage together. This was not intentional. So Joel Schumacher had originally had plans to make his Batman movies into a trilogy. However, that did not end up happening because Joel Schumacher's Batman movies sucked. (laughs) But (laughs) Sorry, Joel. So for his third film... He was going to introduce the first ever live action Harley Quinn, which was at the time set to be played by either Courtney Love or Madonna. <laughs> okay, they were the top runners for the for Sorry. Harley Quinn, and Harley Quinn was going to oh, be portrayed as the Joker's daughter in this in this movie. That's all kinds of wrong. Oh Ugh. yes, that's like well, Dave Tennant marrying his actual wife based off of how they met. <laughs> I know, as the doctor's daughter. Yeah. That's funny though. Well, but I allow it because they're adorable. Yeah, true. <laughs> well, in this movie that never ended up happening, thank God. One of the characters that Harley Quinn was going to team up with was the Scarecrow, and the only casted member to that film was Nicolas Cage, who was going to act, who was going to be the Scarecrow. Oh, so, of course he was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I could so, see him as a scare as the scarecrow. It was yeah. the six I'd degrees that never was. Oh, there we go. I like it. So negative six degrees. Negative six degrees. Negative six degrees. All right. So for my second one, thankfully I did a second one because I was just gonna do the one with Lake Bell. Um because I tend to do a couple when I when I do these, and I'm like, I gotta stop because I'm gonna run out. I swear to God, I don't think I am though. So today I went with uh, Alan Tudyk, my birthday buddy, and as we said, he voices Clayface and the Joker in the Harley Quinn animated series. He also is does a voice in Zootopia, uh, which also Weaselton. yeah, <laughs> which also <laughs> stars uh, Jenny Jenny Slate as Bellwether. And she's in the movie Venom as Dr. Doris Skin with Woody and um okay, so with whoops. Woody Woody I, I fucked up here. So I wrote Venom thinking Woody she's in the first Venom movie. Um Woody Woodpecker. so I'm kind of missing a step, but then Woody Harrelson. Woody was well, in. so you're you're going, yeah, so you're going Jenny Slate to Tom Hardy yes. to Woody Harrelson. So that's who I need girl. to I need to insert Tom Hardy. Horny <laughs> <laughs> jail, here we <laughs> Only if he's doing his Bane voice, though, right? Oh, he can do whatever voice he pleases. I don't care. He could be mute for all. I, it doesn't matter. Um, okay, so I yep, love insert, him even more because jujitsu. So insert yeah. Tom Hardy to get to Woody Harrelson as Cletus in Venom Two, who was then in Zombieland, <laughs> with Emma Stone, who was then in The Croods with Nicolas Cage. So oh, I'm go. sorry, nice. Laura, I did not see Tara Strong listed as a voice actor in The Croods. In a new age. And either of yeah. them, I did. Oh. Well, was Emma Stone the, the voice of the daughter still in Crudes 2? Yes. Okay. Well, then, yeah, it still works out. You both got there through animation. Yes. Yay. So. Ooh, animation We've, is the best. That's why. Yeah. We have talked quite a bit about voices and animation today. And mm -hmm. I guess this is a, a like a super late side bubble. If you want to learn more about that, there is an absolutely wonderful documentary that you can probably find on a streaming service. I don't know what one called. I know that voice and it's Ooh. done by John DiMaggio. Who oh, is Bender from Futurama. Awesome. Many other things. That's yep. so much stuff. Yeah. He's a uh, Jake, the dog and Finn. He's Jake, the dog. Uh, I can sing. The, I can never remember which is which from Adventure Time, but yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I love that. that voice singing the song one. helps you remember. Mm. Yeah, it does. All right. So, what have y'all been streaming in your bubbles? Eric. House of the Dragon. Okay, well, Laura. Laura. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I mean, <laughs> sure. That's whatever. all right. I don't. I don't mind coming in second to Laura. <laughs> I'm just. I'm, I'm just glad I'm arriving. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. I'm just glad I'm arriving. <laughs> all right. So Laura's been streaming House of the Dragon. Anything else? Um. Yep, also uh, The Rings of Power. Mm. Very good. Which Aaron is very, very not into, so it's really fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> nope, we're watching it. <laughs> Love it. All right, Eric, what have you been streaming in your bubble? Uh, just finished Dahmer. Um, you know, the Yikes. documentary about the pride of Wisconsin. So... <laughs> 
Oh my god! <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Uh, I've been watching Rings of Power as well, uh, which we've both been really into. It's been great. Um, still got to get back into House of Dragons. We haven't watched past episode two yet, but we're trying. We we kind of just want that to build and maybe just let the season run to run its course before we get before we do watch it because I think we really want to binge that show. Uh, and otherwise. Um, just finished Harley Quinn again. Not really too much else other than that. I'm sure I'll find something, though. I'm sure. <laughs> All right, and Marte. I guess I should do the whole thing as Bane. Yes. <laughs> yes, I, too, have been trying to watch Ring of Power, but my wife goes to bed at 4.15 p.m. <laughs> and she says I can't cheat on her and watch it by myself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, instead, we've been enjoying She-Hulk. Well, oh, oh She-Hulk, yeah. And my daughters. <laughs> She-Hulk has been the, the big one in uh, our house. I, we just I, got caught up on that, too. I forgot to mention that. I tried to watch Andor, and uh, I've tried to watch it three times, and I've gotten wonderful naps in every time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep trying because it's Star Wars, and in my opinion, more Star Wars is always a good thing. But, mm-hmm. like, oh, boy. it's it's a, Maybe uh, it's a slow uh, burn. Yeah, or like apparently I need to watch it like at noon. Yeah, one episode at a time. <laughs> As um, you're drinking yeah. your coffee or tea or whatever yes. to w- yes. wake you up, so then that way you're getting caffeinated and yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes. but that is what I've been watching. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bane. Uh- <laughs> the fucking uh- pasta maker. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, let's see. We've also been watching House of the Dragon. Um, Timmy's fucking tits deep Timmy's in his fucking. gold shows. House of Dragon, these nuts across your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the House oh. of the Dragon conversation in our group chat is what started uh, the whole horny jail thing and sending Laura and I going there and dumping and then re- uh, renaming the chat. So. But yeah, other than um, Horny Jail, House of Dragons, uh, let's see, what else have I been watching? Oh, Timmy and I watched the Jackass Forever movie the other day. And Mm -hmm. okay, so if you liked Jackass or the CKY2K shit from like back in the day, then I Mm -hmm. think you're going to fucking love this. Um, We laughed so hard and I almost only almost threw up only once. So there was like, out of everything, out of all their stunts and everything they do that involve their genitalia and excrement, there was only one that had me gagging so fucking bad I thought I was actually going to throw up. But I'm also like laughing hysterically as this is happening. And it's mm-hmm. so super gross. But I've heard so, it's like a love letter to the uh, so, to, to the original OG, series. Yeah. 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 What you're saying is they've matured. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying While kicking is, each other in the balls. <laughs> what I'm saying is that they're not as quick to get up after their stunts and they're often yeah. carried away on a stretcher. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite ones that they did, and I don't remember if it was the series or the movies, but they went and rented a car and took it to a demolition yes, derby. That was the, I think that that was was the first movie. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. It's, I wish they'd I'll done more of that insurance. and less of the genitalia. <laughs> Why are they so mean to their dicks? <laughs> <laughs> 
Like Chris Pontius is just, I mean, I'm glad he's so comfortable with his body and everything, but I did not need to see that man's wiener that many times in a single movie. In a Oddly, single movie. I've, I've heard the same thing about the drummer out, from okay. No Doubt. Oh, really? Mm. Apparently the drummer for No Doubt, like, is quick to get naked. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, good for right them. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what a shock, you know, a drummer because they're, they're like in shape because they're basically constantly sprinting when mm-hmm. they play. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's been, uh, that's pretty much what's been going on, what's been streaming in my bubble. And yeah. All right. Well, nerds, this has been a lot of fun and a lot of laughs a lot of lols and great conversations and so i want to thank you all three of you for joining me today uh in the conversation about harley quinn the cursed the no longer cursed conversation wait i'm still not done recording shit i I was gonna say check the recording (laughs) (laughs) damn it Jen, get over this (laughs) so yeah i just want to thank you guys for joining me today and i want to thank the bubblies for listening as always thank you so much and keep streaming. Bye. 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 Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Come on, Laura. You got one in you? Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Hard pass. I'm not following his ear sign. No way. And just We're remember, fine. pasta makers make great presents. <laughs> All right. Fine. Fine. Goodbye. There we go. That's good. I like it. Good. Okay, so we forgot some shit. <laughs> so real quick, what I was just saying was that, you know, we we were I loved how the show kind of makes fun of how many times we've had to see uh, Thomas and Martha die and that how in the series that we didn't actually, even though that's like the memory that replays in Tiny Bruce's mind, or I guess it's still Big Bruce, but whatever. Um, so. We see that it's it's actually like a rat family who the rat version of the Waynes that die and not like throughout the memory. So we see rat fam, rat parents die and the pearls and everything and a tiny rat child. That's now an orphan with, with a butler size rat mm-hmm. butler. Yep. <laughs> and that how with the pearls that uh, Selena Catwoman steals the pearls and then gives them back to Bruce and how sweet that was. And so we realized we forgot some other stuff. So let's go. <laughs> that was a pretty good synopsis. I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't know what that and scene. Yeah. No. <laughs> music Meister. Someone brought up Music yes. Meister. Music Music Meister for me is one of my favorite DC villains, mainly because in Batman the Animated Series, or no, Batman the Brave and the Bold, uh, it was played by Neil Patrick Harris. Mm-hmm. And oh, he would be a good Music Meister. I so see that. he was. Mm-hmm. He was. Yes. And the the fact that they used Music Meister as a therapist yeah. for Bruce and Selena was just Chef's Kiss level of like it's the the willingness. I guess to me, this is one of like the best parts about the Harley Quinn series is the willingness to go away from like I guess the the origination of the intellectual property but still retain enough of the kind of telltale signatures of the characters to make it like instantly identifiable. Mm -hmm. And like when Bruce and Selena are sitting there and she's like, Oh, 
music meister i am not going through therapy i am not going to sing he's like you are if i tell you to and she's like no i'm not <laughs> <laughs> yeah that okay. that to me is just beautiful i gotta wonder <laughs> though like alfred arranged that was that his first con- like point of call like i know who they need or was he like going through relationship therapist after relationship there it's like no that won't work that won't work that won't work oh i got it <laughs> That that's that's cool. a great point yeah <laughs> to see that that side of the like alfred just on the phone like mm-hmm. no openings until next thursday yeah no this is a bigger problem than that <laughs> like, well, do, you have any, do you have any experience working with billionaires with uh dead parent issues and um, <laughs> master thieves no okay click <laughs> you know speaking of dead parent issues i mean how did you guys feel about the whole like zombie apocalypse in this in this season yeah. too? Yeah, what a segue just, yeah. <laughs> i thought we were gonna start talking speaking about me and my problems no. <laughs> say, yeah. i'm like i did not sign up for this i'm not ready to talk about this me. is yeah. not our therapy session yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't participate in this conversation anymore yet. <laughs> and again, Jen and I are the oldest. Yes. <laughs> I had a spot. Hey, for the record, my parents really tried this year. They really tried. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my God. Uh, Jesus Christ, Laura. I mean, you're not wrong, but holy shit. <laughs> Uh, I thought the whole like trying to resurrect his dead parents and everything was like exactly where this Bruce would go. And <laughs> that is, series. honestly, for me, that is where Diedrich Bader as the voice of Batman yes. fucking shine. I love I him as yeah. Batman. Yes. He's so good. Mm-hmm. I love How he Diedrich was just Bader. like so bright fucking and he's a. like, these are my parents, Thomas and Martha. Like there's absolutely <laughs> nothing wrong with yeah, what he's, he's doing yeah, right now. It's, it's like, oh, it's Thursday. What's your problem? But poor <laughs> Frank. Poor Frank having to go what he had to go through just for that. Oh, to God, for yeah. That whole deba- just debacle. A- another yeah. great casting with J.B. Smooth. Yes. You know. I love it. Oh. God. Yeah. Rachel Dratch as Nora Freeze. Yep. That one I didn't realize until I looked it up. Mm. I but... didn't pick it up, up up on it until like my more recent rewatch. And I was like, holy shit, I know that voice. And I was like, I think that's Rachel. It's a great documentary. We talked about that already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nora, Nora Freeze's character was, was fun as like a little backdrop uh, through parts of the season. Yeah. And you know, fling you, swamp thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yes. are talking about things that you could empathize with because of your past mistakes. Well, let's just say I had a Nora Freeze type episode after I got divorced. So. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> I did. I really did. No slut shaming, but mm, someone had fun. <laughs> Lots of it. <laughs> well, and I love too that Nora outdrank uh, Constantine. And I love yes. that they got yeah. Matt Ryan to do the voice of Constantine. I was just going to say that, that they got great. the same. Ex- yes, I loved that was it. so perfect. Oh, my God. It was so, so good. And, and yeah. the fun little uh, fun little MCU, DCEU tie-in, Jamila Jamil, who is Titanium mm-hmm. and She-Hulk, was heiress in the <laughs> Bachelorette Party episode. Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize know. that. Oh. Yes. Yeah, so she has a foot in both camps. Nice. Cool good for her yeah yeah she's and yeah i I know we're we're on the harley quinn side of things but follow titania on twitter it is fucking amazing (laughs) consider it i'm doing it right now it's amazing (laughs) she embodies that character and she has so much fun with it it's great 
and she, she really posts does. and she posts like outtakes she's like hey you want to see me fall flat on my fucking face mm-hmm. she's like i totally <laughs> forgot there was a screen here and i walked dead <laughs> balls into it. <laughs> i did see that one that one was yeah. pretty funny <laughs> oh the first pin tweet on her <laughs> Flapping her grandma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jamila Jamil is a goddamn treasure. Oh, I love uh. her. I think she's so funny. I, you know, and I first came to um uh, came to know her through The Good Place. Yep. That mm-hmm. show's okay. so good too. Yes. I haven't so. watched that yet, but I should. Oh, oh it's a must. It's uh yeah. 10, it's it's 10 out of five stars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is accurate. <laughs> All okay. right. Any other ramblings? Because like I think we really should actually like be yeah. done. done. <laughs> Mother forking shirt balls. I think we hit it all. Yep. <laughs> all right. Now he centers himself. <laughs> if you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to let me know by rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcast fix. Follow me on Twitter at Streaming Bubble. Find me on Facebook and Instagram as My Streaming Bubble. Have thoughts, suggestions, questions, or want to be tolerated? Email me at mystreamingbubble at gmail.com. If you want to show your love and support for this little old podcast in monetary form, search My Streaming Bubble over at buymeacoffee.com and buy me a cheese wedge. And if you want to take that love and support to the next level, head over to Redbubble where you can find and purchase My Streaming Bubble merch. All monetary support goes right back into this podcast from new recording equipment to night cheese. Thanks for your support and keep streaming. Lady Gaga. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing that. Oh, fuck. I love you, Alan Tudyk. <laughs> <laughs>